and everyone's taking a different passage of Psalm 23 to speak on. And unfortunately, it's my turn this week, so <laughs> try to stay awake, and we'll, we'll get through this together. Um, I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, heaven, God, God, thank you for just being here in this room with us, God. You've promised us where one or more gathered you are here with us, God. Lord, we're just so unworthy of that. Um, we're just so unworthy to have you here. We're so unworthy to have your word. We're so unworthy to have your love. But God, thank you that you've chosen us. You've picked us. You've loved us, Father. God, I pray that you just speak through me today. Help it not be my words. Help it be your words, God. Just open our hearts and ears. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 23. Yes. So far this summer, um, we have learned how good we have it. The beginning of Psalm 23 really starts off very positive. We've learned how good we have it. We've also learned how dumb sheep are, right? I feel like that's been a common thread. Originally, that was going to be my common thread. That was going to be one of my talking points, and I was like, nah, that one's been beat. Much like the sheep with the rod, but we'll get there. Uh, So we've learned how good we have it. We've learned how good sheep are at following We've learned how hard God has worked for us to have it as good as we have it, to have life and life to the full. We've talked about how to get refreshment and relaxation, right? Um, we've, we've learned that we have the right path and the path that God tries to lead us down for our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also learned that it's not all good. <coughs> that there are, you know, it's not all blue skies, but God still has us. Um, and then today, we're going to talk about the rod and the staff. So if we want to go to Psalm 23, let's just read it together one time. Just to get it. I'm going to read it in its entirety, because it's six verses. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, in preparing for this... um, Katie and I got some time with the Shoffs Friday. Um, it was really good. The Shoffs and I, the Shoffs have been getting with Katie and I relatively regularly, working on mine and Katie's maturity. And Katie and I have a little chant that goes something effective: maturity, maturity, maturity. maturity. <laughs> Might not be the most mature way to handle it, uh, but that's who we are. And so uh, in this, the Shoffs were very encouraging, and they basically said, talk about whatever you want, but they did ask, they, they quite frankly demanded that we not make any fart jokes, uh, which is kind of lame, but I'm not going to make you stink about it. Uh, so in going into the rod and staff, they come to me. What does that mean? That's so weird, right? The rod and staff, a stick. How can a stick comfort us? As we look at the word staff, um, and looking it up on Blue Letter Bible, there's a couple different definitions. Walking stick, hiking stick, which is more Vermont, crutch, support, scepter. Saddle that field. It's a weird one. And rod, it's 
there's no other definition. It's rod, <laughs> right? Uh, not a fishing rod, just a wooden stick, right? Um, but there's four characteristics that these things have, and we're just going to look at these four characteristics, and then Katie's going to come up and actually give the lesson. Um, so first, rod and staff are directional. They're for guidance. A shepherd would quite, real, quite regularly nudge a sheep. You know, Katie and I got a dog, Carl, he's perfect, and we hike with him a lot. <laughs> and he's a quarter to a half hound. And he needs to be in front when we're hiking. But because he's a hound, he stops every 45 seconds to smell something in the trail. And it's cute for the first 300 yards. And then it gets so annoying. Because I'm working, I'm out of breath, I'm trying to get up this hill. Stop stopping in front of me. It gets very frustrating. Luckily, I have hiking poles. And Carl is now very used to getting a little tap on the side. Move. And that's what a shepherd would do. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we have a God that will leave the 99 to go find the one. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean he's not going to nudge us and smack us a little bit to get us moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. You know, a, a, a rod, and specifically a shepherd's rod, would also have a hook at the end, right? We've all seen Toy Story. We all know Little Bo <laughs> and that big plastic, not just me, okay. Um, and the shepherd would also use that. And when the nudge wasn't working, he would quite literally hook the sheep with that hook. And it was a good thing, right? Like if a sheep fell in a crevasse, he would like reach it in there and quite literally pull him out. But he would also use it, you know, if the sheep was stubbornly going in the wrong way, he would quite literally yank that sheep back in line. And we have that in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, the, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a hook to grab. It's more forceful than a nudge. It's more forceful than guidance. It's a forceful kind of guidance. You know, and I, I've had that in my life too. You know, over the last couple of months, I've been really looking for jobs. And I had so many jobs I thought I was going to nail. Steve and I spent a ton of time praying about a job, and we said, God, give Ryan this job on this day. And I was convinced. I was convinced I was going to get that job. I was so excited. And they offered it to me, and it was awesome. And then that day that we prayed for, they rescinded their offer. That sucked. That really hurt. I was not a fan of that. But you know what? Now I've got another job, and I'm starting Monday, and it looks like it's going to be even better. Right? Katie and I were looking for a house for 18 months. 18 months. We looked at 20, 30-something houses. Subsequently, yeah, we had 20 or 30-something fights over if we wanted these houses or not. That wasn't fun. It was brutal. And every single time we thought the house was right for us, God made it super clear that this isn't the house for you. And that was really, really frustrating. And I felt like, I felt unloved by God. I felt like, he was stopping me from having what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so often, that's what the sheep feels too. Mm-hmm. When God has the hook around the sheep's neck, dragging it back, but I want that. Mm-hmm. But what happened, at least for Katie and I, we got the best house we ever could have hoped for. Guys, we're touching the long trail. <laughs> like, that might not be a big thing for you, but for me, that is a huge deal, right? Um, and so, again, God, God uses that force. He uses that hook, and we need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I also look at um, that's how he gets the sheep to the calm waters, right? Earlier in Psalm 23, you know, he leads us beside calm waters. Well, sheep are dumb, and I don't always want to go by the calm water. And God needs to be forceful to get us there sometimes. All right, rod and staff are disciplined. So sometimes, and I apologize for using Carl so much, but that's what mine and Katie's lives are. Sometimes when we call Carl, he doesn't come. It happens. And uh, since we don't really ever put him on a leash, we don't have that hook to drag him back. Luckily, we've got a shot collar. And it is very effective at getting Carl to come pay attention. And unfortunately, there is an element of the rod and staff that is that level. But Psalm 23 is pretty clear that the rod and staff should comfort us. And it's easy to look at the first point, that the rod and staff are directional, and say, oh, that is comforting. I didn't get that house that I wanted. I didn't get that job that I wanted. That's comforting. God's got something better, right? The shops are a big fan of it. It's not this is something better. And that is comforting. But when we look at discipline, when we look at the shock, how is that comfortable? It's not comfortable. So let's go over to Hebrews. Uh, let's go over to um, sorry, Proverbs twenty three thirteen. Come on, Ryan. Come on, Ryan. So if we go there, I'm turning with you. Proverbs twenty three thirteen. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. And honestly, I think that that's what we're doing with Carl. And it sounds so dumb. But like, when he's not allowed on the road. Because at some point, he'll go on the road and he'll get hit by a car. And I think God uses that same thing with us. That there is times where God disciplines us and he tries to keep us from hurting ourselves. Um... And I think that that's shown even better in Hebrews 12. So let's let's scroll over to Hebrews 12, and we're going to go to verse 5. Um, you know, while while we're going there, I think that the the comfort that comes from God being in control, the comfort that comes from the rod and the staff, is that God's in control. Yep. It's not us. We're not the church of Steve Shaw. Mm-mm. We're not the church of Brian Robinson for sure. <laughs> um, and I think that that's comforting. You know, there is discipline that comes up in our lives. And there are, it's not always positive, but it's God's in control. So let's go to Hebrews 12, 5. And I'll, I'll read it. 5 through 11. And if you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, which all have participated, then are you illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirits, the Father of Spirits, and live? For they discipline for us, 
us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields peace, peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I think in that there's power. Discipline stinks. It's not fun. You know, I think in my own lives, you know, when um, Katie and I first started coming out, it's because I had a panic attack. (coughs) And I was living my life. I knew the truth, but I decided I want to live my life. I wanted to be a partier. I wanted to be a rugby player. I was drinking six nights a week. I was, you know, I was living the, the, the epitome of the worldly life. And I woke up one night, and I had my first ever panic attack, and I walked myself to the emergency room from college because I thought I was dying. I literally went to the emergency room at like 2.30 in the morning. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I'm going to die. Honestly, that's what went through my head. And I sat there, and I said, if I'm going to die, where am I going? If I'm going to die, what is my wife? Why life been worth? What have I been doing with myself? And it wasn't a fun experience. But as you guys know, the next day I got reached out to come to this church. And I think that that moment of sobriety only came through discipline. It only came through that bad time. And I think since then, you know, I, I struggle with anxiety. I've had panic attacks since. And they're not a positive thing. I don't know if anyone's ever struggled with anxiety or had panic attacks, but they ruin your whole day. Mm-hmm. They take the life out of you. And there's not a whole lot of silver lining in them. There's really not. Like, But one of the things that does come out of it is that I get real with myself. Mm-hmm. I look at myself and I say, am I walking the straight and narrow? Am I in the light? Am I ready to be God? And I'm healthy, and I've had doctor's appointments, and everyone's it's in your head, right? And I know that. But it's still sobering. And if I'm struggling with sin, and I get anxious, or I have a panic attack, I'm no longer struggling with sin. It doesn't matter. God has used that in my life to show me what is worldly and what is otherworldly. And honestly, I'm grateful. I really am. I've gotten to the point in my anxiety, in my panic attacks, where they're awful, but I'm grateful mm-hmm. because it keeps me rooted in what really matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point of discipline, at least this specific type of discipline, the rod discipline, is that it reminds you what really matters. You know, pain can do that. Pain puts you in the moment. Pain puts you in the present. And I think that God uses that. And I think that we are blessed to have a God that will use everything. Because honestly, and I, I tell my wife this all the time, my rod and staff is anxiety. At least it's not something real. You know what I mean? Like, at least this is in my head. If God can use something like anxiety to bring me back again and again and again, great. I don't need to have a heart attack. I think I'm having a heart attack. You know how much better that is? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so much better. Um, God loves us enough to fight for us. 
And so when we look at the rod and staff, they comfort me. That's what it means. That's why it's comforting. God loves me enough to fight for me. Yep. He loves me enough to not let me just wander off and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to grab me or smack me or nudge me, mm-hmm. I guess, in the other order. Right? But God loves us enough to fight for us. And that's very comforting. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so then the rod and staff is protection. What's that mean? So the world translated could, so the, in Blue Letter Bible, the where this is translated elsewhere is the word spear. Now here we know it's not a spear, it's just rod and staff. But this is written by David. And where else can we think of where David was pretty attached to his staff? Goliath. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. So if we go to if we go to chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, and we're not going to go deep into the story, but the VeggieTales version <laughs> that there was this big cucumber. No, I'm kidding. Um, there was this guy named David or Goliath who was much taller than me. Um, the Bible describes him a foot taller than me and is bigger out of Zach. Like this mm-hmm. dude was big, right? Mm-hmm. Picture Zach doing a chicken on top of me, and that's what we're talking <laughs> about, right? And in these days, the average Jewish person was, you know, five, three and a half. So, like, there was a pretty good size difference on this. And David is approached where David basically says, I'll go fight this dude. And what happens? Saul tries to put the armor on David, right? And we see this in verse four, uh, 39. In verse 39, um, David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch on his shepherd's belt, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. That's stupid. (laughs) Right? Is there any other word to say? (laughs) This guy's going into a a knife fight with a stick. Where's hmm. confidence? <laughs> There's a fine line between them. <laughs> this is dumb, right? But why did he do it? Because he has the history of saying, I've killed lions and bears. He's relying on God and God's protection that he's seen in the past. And I think that same thing can be said for Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. He sees God's protection yep. throughout his whole life. Mm-hmm. He has seen God's protection against lions and bears. Mm-hmm. He's seen it against Goliath. He saw it when Saul tried to throw the spear at him. He saw it when Saul's mm-hmm. men and army was trying to kill him. He saw it when he was hiding in the cave from Saul's army. He saw it later on when his family, his own family, tried to kill him mm-hmm. and chase him around. Mm-hmm. And he saw it in countless battles. David saw God as his protector. Mm-hmm. And so when he says, your rod and staff, they comfort me, he means it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that if we look at Psalm 23, if you look at the end of that verse, in the middle of that verse, it's not a period. If you look at the semicolon, so it's in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me, semicolon, your rod and staff that comfort me, it's part of the same verse. It's part of the same sentence. It's your rod and staff comfort me when I'm in the dark times. And David can speak to that with authority. And I think if he can speak to that with authority, we should also be able to trust in that and speak to that in authority. I can speak to that in my own life. But what's the world say? What's the world look at God's protection from? When David took off, even sometimes the church, right? Because in these days, Saul was a Jew. He was the church. Saul rebuked David, I would imagine, for getting rid of the armor and just going with the staff. And I find that I can do that in my own life sometimes. Like, oh, that person's crazy. They're really trusting God. That's dumb, right? Like, why? How would I say that? Right? And then I see, we see what the world says. Right? What does Goliath say to David? He says, am I a dog that you would come at me with a stick? David says this. Or Goliath says this. Goliath saw David's stick and mocked him for it. And the world can see our protection, our trust, our reliance on God and mock us for it. That's true. But what happened? <clears throat> what happened? Yeah. So let's go. So in verse seven of okay, sorry, we so we're in First Samuel seventeen. In verse seven, it goes out of the way to describe Goliath's spear. His spear staff was like a weaver's rod. It's iron point weighed 600 shekels. And then later in the passage, it goes out of the way to describe that David put away the armor and grabbed his staff. (laughs) And then it goes on to describe that Goliath mocks David for using the staff. So I think in this passage, the the writer is trying to point out that it's staff versus staff. And even if we go down to verse 51 of chapter 17. I would ask, before you go there, don't look because you'll see the answer. What was the weapon that Goliath was using? Just in your head. First thought. What weapon did Goliath have? Sword. Sword. Sword, Right? That's what I thought. That's what you thought. That's what everyone thinks. But in in verse 51, David ran up, stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from its sheath. Was Goliath using his sword? No, it was sheathed. It was sheathed. What was Goliath using? His spear. And we have this contradiction where Goliath was using his spear and David was using his much punier spear. But what happened? David won. And I think that ties back, and the rest of this I'm pulling directly from Bima. So, not me. Um, you know, in Bema, the guy, the, there's this rabbi teacher who really dives into the Old Testament. And he, was, he made a lot of points about that the scepter, the rod and staff being the scepter, is really a symbol of God's authority. And 
we see this in Exodus, and I'll just read a couple of these, but in Exodus with Moses versus Pharaoh, the scepter was seen as the authority of the king. It wasn't the crown, it was the scepter. And you have this juxtaposition between the worldly scepter that Pharaoh had and God's scepter that Moses held. It was his staff. And it's the same word, actually, that we see in Psalm 23. And I think that David and Goliath is the similar story, where you have Goliath holding the world scepter, the giant, thick around his Ryan's arm spear with the giant head, and you have this puny little guy called David holding a stick. Surely Goliath's scepter is going to win. And then in Moses, you have the Pharaoh holding up his elegant scepter, and you have Moses holding up his puny little scepter, right? And it goes, Exodus goes out of the way. So I'm just going to say a couple of these, and you guys can write them down. Um, but in Exodus chapter 7, verse 19, God calls Moses, take your staff and stretch it over the water of Egypt and turn the Nile into blood. In 8.16, it says, stretch your staff out and strike the dust on the ground and the gnats will come out. In Exodus 10.13, so Moses stretched out his staff over Israel, or Egypt, rather. You see this call of Moses using his staff, God's staff, to enact power on the world. And I think that it's, it's underscored the most in chapter 7, verse 12. So if we all want to go there. And in chapter 7, verse 12, Aaron's staff becomes a snake. And I'll start in verse 9. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, um, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron, I've got bow hunting on my brain, I guess, went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian uh, magicians also did the same thing by their own secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Did anyone catch it, that last sentence? What's it say? It said Aaron's snake swallowed up the other snakes? No. No. Staff. That's weird. Why did the writer, I've never seen a staff eat another staff. (laughs) Has anybody? The writer is making it abundantly clear that God's staff, that God's authority swallows up the authority of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing we see in 1 Samuel 17. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we read Psalm 23, your rod and staff, they comfort me. That should mean something. Mm-hmm. When I look at this world, easy to not think that God's in control. Mm-hmm. When I look at my life, it's easy to not see that God's in control. Mm-hmm. But God's scepter is over the world. Mm-hmm. And that should comfort us. Mm-hmm. It's over the evil happenings we read about in the news. It's over the failing climate. It's over the challenges of life and death. Mm-hmm. 
it's over the traffic that really pisses me off. <laughs> God is sovereign, and he holds the scepter of the world. Amen. Katie's going to come up and share.
be a stick for fighting. That can be the protection. That, but it also said, figuratively, correction. As Ryan has already said, that if I want to change and if I want to grow, the only way is God. He's truly the only way we can change. And so as I look at the rod and staff, I've come to more of an understanding that his rod and staff brings me comfort and understanding at a time like this. Mm-hmm. That when I feel the disharmony and that part of me just wants it to all be peaceful and mm-hmm. all be correct connection, I understand that at least I have God's understanding. And I wanted to just read a part from the book that we've been reading because I think he, the author just puts it beautifully I I think my whole time being a disciple I've said something like this but even more recently I've said I'm so grateful that I know God during these times because it gives me the answer and I think he just puts it beautifully on page 118 he says There is no substitute for the scriptures in coping with the complexities of our social order. Mm -hmm. We live in an ever more involved and difficult milieu. We are part of a world of men and women whose code of conduct is contrary to all that Christ has advocated. Mm -hmm. In every situation and under every circumstance, there is comfort in the knowledge that God's word can meet and master the difficulties if we will rely on it. Um, And so I just wanted to share that during these times, I try to make sure that I am relying on his rod and staff. When nothing else in this world makes sense, God does. His word does. And so I'm grateful that he's given that to us. So, looking at the cross today, I think we should be comforted. We should be comforted that Jesus gives us direction. He gives us guidance, right? He says, if you want to be my disciples, obey me. Follow my teachings. He gives us that guidance. He gives us discipline, and he faced it before us so that we can know that we can go through it. Jesus gives us support to make it just one more day, like Katie was talking about. He also gives us protection from the sea, from the waves, the wind, from death itself, from some of the bigger consequences of our sins, and from death. He gives us protection. You know, and then Jesus is our authority, and that should give us comfort. You know, he has authority. He came in authority. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross, suffering a torturous death in authority, so that you and I, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your rod and staff. Thank you for your son. Thank you for giving him up to us. Lord, thank you for these answers in times of disharmony and unpeace. Lord, uh, I just thank you, God, for your blood and your body. God, help us reflect on that and remember that day after day that we have the opportunity to go to you and feel that real connection, to have that real authority, peace, and comfort. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this group. And I pray that, um, that we just always run to you.
In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.